The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. We'd like to consider Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. The focus that I think I'd like to uh, consider this morning is putting off and putting on, particularly the kind of spiritual garments, the spiritual attire, the spiritual clothing that we should be purposeful to put on every day. And when we get up every day, uh, you have to dress yourself, right? <laughs> you have to put on clothes. And, and also, you make decisions about what you're going to put on based on uh, what's going to happen that day. You probably check the temperature, see if it's hot or cold, may, may dictate a long sleeve or a short sleeve, a jacket or not, you know, if it's raining. Uh, you may plan your attire appropriately based on what you know is coming that day. And we need to make sure that we are putting the right things on, right, to be able to be properly equipped for the challenges that are going to come, <clears throat> going to come each day. So... Uh, we'll consider verses 12 to 14 in Colossians chapter 3, but to get more information about some things we need to put off, we're going to begin in verse 5. So Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness which is idolatry. Which things say the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked in some times when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing ye put off the old man with his deeds. You put off the old man. But then in verse 10, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Whether there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, he actually starts... <clears throat> Before you put things on, he starts with things you have to put off. And part of the reason that he starts with the putting off is because when we are born again by the work of the Holy Spirit, he does not totally eradicate the sin nature that we have. And if you, if you think that you can just go on autopilot on a regular day, I can just stick it in neutral today, that's the day that Satan's going to tempt you. That's the day that Satan's going to come after you, and you have to be purposeful. That's the point I want, want you to understand. Uh, discipleship requires discipline. It requires discipline, and you have to be purposeful to put 
things off every day, and you also have to be purposeful to put things on every day. And that's what we want to focus on, is when you're dressing yourself, and uh, we're going to consider some things that you need to hopefully be doing uh, at the beginning of your day and the beginning of, of your morning, and I hope that you can, uh, as we leave here, think through that. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm getting ready for my day, purposefully putting off some of these natural tendencies that I may have toward, certainly, hopefully not these these egregious sins of fornication and cleanness, verse 5, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, but covetousness, which is idolatry. I mean, we could, we could uh, have a desire towards something that's not beneficial for us, that's not healthy for us, and it could very easily become an idol. Even, even good beneficial things. Uh, we can make good, wholesome, godly things an idol. A marriage, child, Good, good job. You can make those things idols when you uh, get them out of order and out of place and we begin to covet something uh, and we, we believe that our, our identity, uh, thankful for the admonition last night, we are complete in Christ and we need to know that because otherwise we're going to seek something to fill that void. We're going to covet that and we're going to make that an idol. But get a little bit further down here in, in verse 8. Uh, some of these simple things that we're all prone to if we're not living and walking in the Spirit, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy communication out of your mouth. It's unfortunate that sometimes uh, God's children, we need to adorn ourselves as the elect of God, but sometimes God's children aren't wearing the right spiritual clothes on a daily basis, right? It's just a reality. Sometimes... Uh, uh, we don't have bad traffic in Starkville, Mississippi, where I'm from. We're a pretty small town. But some of you probably come from a, a lot different traffic environment, right? Uh, and have you ever fallen into the trap of maybe a little bit of anger, Lord forbid, maybe a little bit of filthy communication <laughs> in the midst of, uh, of a challenging circumstance that comes your way, right? Well, uh, you know what? You can be wearing a, a very dishonoring garment, in that moment, right? Think about David, a man after God's own heart. There was a period of time in his life he was wearing some dirty clothes. He, he, uh, he coveted, he, he committed adultery, he committed murder, but then the prophet came to him and he said, man, I got, and I love the depiction in the Old Testament, by the way, that when, uh, when someone was confronted with their sin, talking about putting on garments, uh, they, they typically would put on sackcloth and ashes. They, they would repent, but they would purposefully change their garments to display the repentance that they are, they are exhibiting, right? But David, to his, uh, to his um, commendation, there came a time when he was rebuked. He said, you know what? I need to change my clothes. <laughs> this is not befitting of the elect. It's not befitting of God's people. And, and he changed his course of action. Uh, another example is the, the prodigal son. Isn't it sad that the, the one who was a son of a wealthy father, he was a son down in the pig pen, but isn't it sad that in the father's house, he had the best robe waiting on him, he had a, a ring waiting on him, and actually when he showed back up, I noticed that, reading, rereading that yesterday, uh, that he said, put shoes on his feet. He showed up barefoot. He, he didn't have any shoes. And, and, and you've probably seen some Bible stories that... Uh, depicted that uh, that son in tattered. I mean, he was totally broke and feeding pigs. I mean, you know, he, his clothing was was pretty nasty down in the pig pen, right? But isn't it sad that that son of the father that had great riches 
He should have been wearing the father's robe in the father's house, right? But isn't it sad the clothes that he was wearing that was dishonoring his station of being a, a uh, son of the father? So uh, I want you to think about that. What, what clothes am I putting on each day that are should be becoming of an elect, an elect child of God? That's what we find in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. And that's where it all starts, right? It all starts with God's choice of us before the world began. Uh, I love the, uh, the way that the Holy Spirit uh, inspired the, the book of Ephesians, and it starts right with election, according as he hath chosen us and predestinated us. Praise God for that. Then you have those heavy doctrinal chapters in the first three chapters. But then, therefore, because God has chosen you, because God has, doesn't, uh, has done all this for you, then in chapter 4, how does, it, how does it then shift the focus? Therefore, walk worthy, right? Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you have been called. Now, in the context of what we're talking about this morning, you've been elect, you've been chosen, you've been born again, you've been called. Now, act like it, dress like it, put on the right clothes every day. And we need to be purposeful to think about that, purposeful that when we get up in the morning to make a daily choice, a daily choice to put off the things of the world and to put on Christ. Because ultimately these garments are simply putting on Christ. Um, think about the garments that the, uh, the elect, the children of God, are depicted as having in the, in the book of Revelation. They had white linen, right? Which is the righteousness of the saints. That describes purity. In uh, James chapter 1 and verse 27, he says, Pure religion and undefiled. For the Father is this. You need to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, but keep yourself unspotted from the world. Keep your garment clean, right? Keep your garment clean. Uh, there's a uh, parable in Matthew chapter 22 that invites some people that are may maybe not who you... Uh, uh, he invites some people that are the esteemed guests, so to say, and they weren't very interested. So he said, all right, well, since you won't come, we'll invite the people in the highways and the byways and everybody else. But then they showed up, and the guy didn't show up with the right attire. He, he didn't show up with a wedding garment. And wouldn't it be unfortunate if uh, it describes our righteousness as filthy rags in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, right? Well, that's not just dirty clothes. I mean, we all have dirty clothes, but that's a menstruous garment. This is a bloodstained garment. And how inappropriate would it be for somebody to show up to a marriage with a dirty bloodstained garment? I mean, that, that's not appropriate for this occasion, right? That's not appropriate. And he said, look, you're going to need to leave because that's not appropriate for the marriage celebration. You need to uh, put on the appropriate attire, right? The appropriate attire based on the circumstance that you were in and the location that you were in. And when you understand that every second of every day, we are serving the Lord, right? We should have on that attire every day. So this is a portion of uh, some, some thoughts and some admonitions and some perspectives of spiritual garments, spiritual attire, kingdom clothes that we need to try to be purposeful to put on each day. And uh, if you don't, if you're not purposeful to try to put on this attire at the beginning of the day, um, I believe that you will be very sad you weren't purposeful by, by the end of the day. 
<laughs> uh, I can tell you almost without fail, anytime when I've had what I would deem to be a bad day, and, and most of the time, uh, it's not the circumstances that come in the midst of the day. In this world, you shall have tribulation, right? That's just a baseline uh, default uh, the way things are in this world, right? You shall have tribulation. What, what it makes a good day or a bad day is how you respond to what comes your way. And what you will find is if you equip yourself properly, at the beginning of the day, you're going to respond much better. And by the end of the day, when I've not responded in a very good way, most of the time I can just about always say, you know what? I wasn't as diligent in my prayers that morning as I should have been. I, I mean, I may have read the Bible, but it was probably a little mechanical. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been mechanical, but, but I went through the motions and I didn't let it sink in. And, and guess what? By the end of the day, I said something I shouldn't have said, right? I got a little frustrated in a situation I should have handled with some of these attributes, long suffering, forbearing, forgiving, loving. And a lot of that is because I did not prepare myself Beforehand, So what is the, uh, in the morning when you're getting ready for, for your day and you're dressing yourself and you're brushing your teeth and all those things, what are you putting on? What are you putting on in a spiritual sense? Well, one of the first things you need to be putting on is prayer, right? Prayer. You need to be, you need to have a diligent habit, a faithful habit. Paul said he went into a, into a city and his manner was to go into the synagogue. You need to have a manner. You need to have a pattern. And you need to have closet time with the Lord in prayer every morning. Because what is the manner that we're told to pray? After this manner, pray ye, Matthew chapter 6. And one of the things he says in there is give us this day our daily bread. Now, is that going to do you a lot of good if you only pray right before you're going to sleep that night? Well, you've kind of missed the whole boat, right? You've kind of missed the whole daily bread. Right? You haven't asked the Lord for it. And sometimes we have not because we ask not. Right? So you need to have a diligent habit and focus of putting on communion and fellowship with the Lord in prayer and reading God's word. And I, I've provided some verses for you here. And we won't take <clears throat> time to read all of these because you can read these yourself. But I do want to highlight a few of these. We need to make a daily choice when we're getting ready for our day to daily put on Christ. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Now that's step number one, isn't it? Putting off the flesh. Deny yourself. You got to put off first and then put on. Deny yourself and then take up his cross. And these are all the verses that describe daily. Daily. It's a daily decision. Because the day you don't is the day that Satan's going to tempt you, right? You have to be diligent. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 31, I die daily. Way back in the Old Testament, Joshua, after they're into the land of Canaan, choose you this day, right? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Prayer. Psalm chapter 5 and in verse 3, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, and in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. Biblical precedent for praying in the morning. But I would also say, he says, uh, you'll hear my voice. Uh, I hope that he hears your voice in, in song in the morning. You know, I didn't even make a purposeful uh, 
decision to do this really, but I've just noticed within the last six months, most of the time now in the mornings when I get up, I'm usually just subconsciously singing something. I didn't, I just, it just kind of popped in my head that that was happening now. Uh, and, and I didn't make a decision to do that necessarily. Uh, but if you're dwelling in God's word, which by the way, I will say one of the main reasons I do that is because I don't listen to a lot of stuff other than church hymns, honestly. Uh, so I'm filling my mind with things that inevitably come out. And that's what we've already heard. Fill your mind with the word of God. And one of the ways you fill your mind with the word of God is through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And just as you, uh, as you hopefully make a commitment to memorize God's word and God will bring those thoughts to your mind at the appropriate time, sometimes it may not be him bringing, because you may not be able to quote that verse exactly right, but sometimes he'll bring the song to your mind that teaches the verse that you need, you see? And that's why you need to, to fill your mind with the Word of God, but fill your mind with those spiritual psalms, hymns, and spirituals, because the Spirit can use those songs in the same way He can use verses, okay? So when you begin your day, be, be diligent and faithful to begin in prayer and to, to read God's Word, and if you do that, I feel like you'll be singing more than you realize, okay? But let's go through <clears throat> a few of these uh, spiritual garments here that should be, um, should be becoming and should be adorning to reflect to the people around us that we are the elect of God. When Jesus gave the admonition, uh, for his disciples to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He said, men are going to see your good works, right? They're going to see your actions, which in this context is your spiritual garment that you're putting on, okay? They're going to see your actions and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So these should be the, the actions that are being exhibited of God's children to where our garment is pure, it's white, and it's honoring to the Lord. Let's go to um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and the Apostle Paul, because of the spiritual garments that, that he had seen the Thessal Thessalonian church putting on, he had a bold confidence of their election. He says in verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, I have a confidence that God chose you before the world began because I have seen actions that are indicative of that. You know, uh, for the ministers that are here, it can be very discouraging uh, to be called upon to preach a funeral for those who didn't wear very good clothing in their life in a spiritual sense, right? Uh, and, I, I, and I can say, hey, the Lord knoweth them that are his. God saved his people but I have to leave it right there. <laughs> that's, that's as far as I can take it uh, because they, they just didn't live very good garments. But isn't it a blessing, though, to see someone that lives such a godly, bold life to where I can, I can say definitively, at least based on my assessment of their actions, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Praise God for that, right? That someone would live such a faithful life that, that someone can be to have the boldness of, of the Apostle Paul of this Thessalonian church in preaching their funeral. 
Praise God for that. But what was the, the identifying attributes of the elect that he saw in them that gave him that confidence? Verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. First of all, when I preached the gospel, it impacted you. It, it touched your heart. I saw you weep. When, when the word of God came to you. But, but it wasn't just an emotional response. Verse 6, you became followers of us. You, you, you uh, followed the Lord in discipleship, in baptism. And when you feel that conviction of sin, that's what we see in Acts chapter 2. They feel that uh, those, those devout men that are there on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes down, they knew there was something they needed to do. They felt a conviction. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Hey, you need to repent and be baptized. You need to follow the Lord. And not just being baptized, but then putting the word of God into action. Having received the word, and when you do that, it's not going to be easy to change from your former manner of life. You're receiving it with much affliction. But in spite of that affliction, boy, you still had the joy of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I mean, I, I, everything, I used to think my bubble was all nice and neat and thought I was happy. But then, I'm, now I'm applying the Word of God in my life, and it's, and it's fracturing some prior relationships. But you know what? I'm gaining new relationships, right? And I have great joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. And you receive the gospel in power. You followed the Lord and you applied it, even dealing with the affliction that comes along with the joy of the Holy Ghost, and you are in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. You're an example for other people to follow. And aren't you glad for the examples that we have of those that, that do dress right? <laughs> right? Uh, we'll talk in a natural sense. By the way, I feel like I need to add this caveat. I think that you know the, the way to appropriately dress and what modesty is. That's somebody else's topic, <laughs> not mine. But if you're in the Word of God, you should be able to think through, you know what, maybe I don't need to wear that, right? But if, by the way, if someone is instructing you, maybe you don't need to wear that, they may point you to a positive example, right? Look at this person who does dress in a modest way. And isn't it great to have those examples that we can follow? Right, And the, this Thessalonian church set a great example for people to follow. And they were also committed to sounding out and preaching the gospel to those around them. From you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. And what an amazing commendation. I mean, this is, this is amazing that they were this committed to spreading the gospel. From you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith toward God were to spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. And then also, at the end of verse 9, he says, you turned from idols to serve the living and the true God. This, is, this used to be your former affections. Now the gospel has been applied to your heart in a powerful way. And you said, I need to change my clothing. Right? I need to change my manner of life. And he said, I am thankful for the effect that I have seen in, in you that gives me confidence of your election. Let's go to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. And here, 
we have, uh, when we get, get to uh, Colossians chapter 3 here in just a minute, we're going to find eight different attributes of this clothing uh, that are given to us here. And here in Second Peter, we actually have eight attributes here as well. This growth and progression that the disciple of Christ should be engaging in. He says here in Second Peter chapter 1, giving this, uh, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So faith, God has dealt to every man in the new birth of his children, every man the measure of faith. God gives you faith, but now it's up to you to grow and to build on a daily basis from the faith that God has given you. It's amazing to think that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We have the same faith dwelling in us as all of those people that are in Hebrews chapter 11. What's the difference? Exercising of that faith. That strengthens that faith. God's given you faith, but now be diligent to add to your faith virtue. And then to virtue knowledge, and then temperance, and then patience, and then godliness, and brotherly kindness. And then the pinnacle of this is charity. Charity, it's agape love. Verse 10. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence. Now, it takes diligent, faithful commitment to be able to grow in this discipleship, right? To add. It, it takes hard work. It takes a daily commitment and a daily focus to add all of these things culminating in the pinnacle of agape love, okay? But be diligent to do that, to make your calling and election sure. We're going back to election, right? God chose you. Now you need to honor your father by your actions, right? Before the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. But if you do these things, ye shall never fall. We need to be growing, Okay, now let's go to <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And look at the spiritual garments that we need to put on. Now we need to put off the works of the flesh, the things of the world. Put off fornication and cleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness. Verse 8, put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications. Take those clothes off, put them, put them away, okay? But now be purposeful to put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. That word bowels gets down to the depth of our being, the depth of our nature. And the, the, the deeper that someone goes, the deeper that God goes, I hope the deeper that they go, the, the more in... I mean, we, we may make mistakes on the outside, but I hope our heart is in the right place to where if someone could see our heart, I hope it has the same uh, attitudes and attributes of God that we want to show mercy, right? Down in our heart, we want to show mercy. Now, it didn't always come out right. <laughs> we know that. It didn't always come out right because mercy's hard, by the way. Mercy's hard because it's not giving someone what they do deserve. So the baseline default requirement for mercy is that someone deserves something that you have the right to, to inflict upon them. But out of the depth of your heart, 
following the pattern of Christ from time to time. Now, I'm not saying you get, you need to not give people what they deserve all the time. You know, there's, there's a place for consequences. But our, our reaction, our default reaction should be to be reminded of God's bowels of mercies toward us and show mercy to others, right? Bowels of mercies. Simply kindness. Show kindness to others. And, and there is arguably no, uh, no greater testimony that you can have when, when a third party is witnessing an interaction and someone is exhibiting the works of the flesh toward you. Anger, filthy communication. I mean, they're just chewing you out. They're cussing you out. But you receive it in meekness. You receive it in love. And you say, you know what? God told me to love my enemies. And he even told me to pray for those that despitefully use you. And people can see that. And they can see that one person is just totally in the wrong. And if I was that person, boy, I'd let them have it back. I'd, I'd lay into them. But instead, your disposition, though, is kindness, meekness. And to say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. What an amazing testimony that people can see that in action. That's what it's talking about when it says people can see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That, that is a stark contrast, isn't it? That's a stark contrast between darkness and light. And that's very evident. That can be very evident when someone is just being, being vitriolic towards you, but you show kindness and love and mercy toward them. That's the kind of testimony that we should have. Humility and meekness, humbleness of mind. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If anyone had the right to show up in this world, it's just amazing the humility that Jesus displayed. Um, if anyone had the right to show up and say, truthfully, I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everybody bow down to me right now. And praise God, that's what's going to happen the last day, right? <laughs> that's what's going to happen the last day. But he didn't come that way the first time. He came as a, as a child that was, that was in a manger, right? Uh, he, he, he would have been rightful to, to burn this whole world up. <laughs> but instead, he came in meekness and humility. And one of the main reasons he did that is to give us the example to follow. Of, of the mind of Christ, to put that mind of Christ upon us. Humbleness and, and, uh, and meekness. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Now, the, the first requirement for long-suffering is, number one, you've got to suffer. You've got to be uncomfortable, number one. And then, you've got to suffer for an extended period of time. <laughs> right? Long-suffering. And nobody likes long-suffering, do they? Why? Because I don't like to suffer. And I sure don't like suffering for a long period of time. <laughs> I mean, I don't like being uncomfortable for an extended period of time. But you know what? That's, praise God, that's what Christ did for us, right? right? He was merciful toward us. He was long-suffering toward us, forbearing one another. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens. And I know the pastors in the congregation, they amen this. I'll tell you, the, the, the burdens of God's people get heavy, don't they? And you, you've got to be an ox to help them bear it. And they get, they get heavy. They get tiring. Well, it'd be easy to, to say, well, this, this load is too heavy, right? Well, look at the, look at the load that, 
Christ bears on our behalf. See, that, that's the whole point is looking at what Christ has done for us and then showing that same mercy and kindness and humility and long-suffering and forbearing and forgiveness toward others, exhibiting the actions of Christ in our life to others in a way that brings glory to God, right? That's what this is all about. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another, forgiving one another. And this is a whole topic in and of itself that we certainly don't have time to consider. But the premise, though, is that you forgive others because God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Okay? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And Jesus told us to pray in this way, and I know we want to pray for uh, God's kingdom, and we want to pray... Uh, to give us this day our daily bread, but do you really follow the wording and the pattern that God gave us in the model prayer that, God, you treat me in forgiveness the same way I treat other people. You forgive me the exact same way that I forgive other people. Uh, some of us could be a little hesitant to pray that prayer, right? Because maybe, maybe we're a little bit too harsh with others. Maybe we don't have those bowels of mercies coming out in the manner that they ought to. And I don't necessarily want God to hold me to the same standard I hold other people to. But that's the way God told us to pray, right? You forgive me the same way I forgive others. And if you can pray that prayer in all sincerity, then you're living right with the Lord. <laughs> if you can say, Lord, you give me exactly what I dish out, then you're walking very closely with the Lord. <laughs> if you can have that kind of confidence. Uh, in another note, uh, talking about your, your prayer life, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul calls down God many times. He says, I, God is my witness that without ceasing I pray for you. Boy, I tell you, he had confidence that, that the Lord, if he examined his prayer life, I, I, I wouldn't call down the Lord as witness of my prayer life for anything. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't call down the Lord as witness always in the matter of forgiveness either. Because our nature is to hold those grudges, right? And to want to exact vengeance. I mean, there's a debt. There's an offense. And the nature of uh, some of the accountants in the congregation, I know Brother Joshua would agree with this, I don't like writing off debt. <laughs> I don't like writing off debt. Why? Because that's my money. <laughs> I owe it. They owed me that. They owe me that. I'm not going to write off that debt. Boy, I'm going to make them pay every penny. We don't have time to go over there, but go read the parable in Matthew chapter 18 where the, the servant was forgiven 10,000 talents and then his, his response to that was to find somebody that owed him 100 pence and said, I will exact vengeance on them. Well, guess what? The Lord found out about it and he said, you're the one that's going to be in torment because you didn't forgive. Because you didn't forgive. And then above all these things, the pinnacle of of Christian discipleship, above all these things, put on charity. Charity. John chapter 13 and verse 35, I really want to highlight. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, we're commanded to love our enemies. We need to do that. But the identifying mark of the church is not primarily the way we love our enemies. 
It's the way we love one another in the church. The way you love one another. In the book of Acts, it says that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, why were those people calling them Christians? They saw actions that exhibited this guy they keep talking about, Jesus Christ. They saw a difference. And there is no mistaking darkness for light, is there? There's no mistaking that. And they saw the light of Christ being manifested to where the church didn't take the title of Christians, right? It was a third-party observer. Many times they're enemies that gave them that title. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And Jesus says many times that you love one another as I have loved you. And boy, that is the standard, isn't it? That is the mark. That, that is the high calling that we are called to strive toward. And praise God for forgiveness. Praise God uh, that every day that we fail, that we don't put on the right clothes, that we don't act in the manner that we ought to, praise God that He is loving and forgiving toward us uh, and gives us many times, according to His will, an opportunity to, to hopefully, if we respond properly, get up tomorrow and say, let me, let me try to do it better, right? Let me, let me try to love God better, which is the greatest commandment, to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And if you do that right, you're, you're inevitably going to love your neighbor as yourself, you see? The pinnacle is love of others, and love of others always takes care of itself when we love God appropriately. That's the standard. That's the standard, but we all fail every single day, right? We fail on that standard every single day. And I'm thankful that the Lord gives us the opportunity to ask for forgiveness, say, Lord, give me the, the blessing and the grace to do, to do better tomorrow. Um, and hopefully, if I get up tomorrow with the right attitude and I start it with prayer and with meditation and with the Word of God and with a song in my heart, and I put on the right clothes, hopefully I can do better tomorrow than I did today. But you have to be purposeful, okay? You have to be purposeful. Put off these things, and you also have to be purposeful to put on the right things. And if you do that, it will be honoring to the Lord. And, and you will be very surprised. You shouldn't be surprised, but you will be, that your days will go much better. <laughs> the end result will be much better, but more than anything, the Lord will be honored and the Lord will be glorified. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.